Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 373 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about my top seven competitive tennis lessons. About a year ago, I jumped back in, into competitive tennis at age 39 after spending the previous decade plus just being a coach, just being a content creator. I decided that I was going to test myself, see if I still had it, see how, how what quality of tennis I was still capable of playing. And I turned 40 this year, a couple months ago, and it's been a great challenge. It's been a great journey. Uh, it's been an adventure, pushing myself and and seeing how high a quality of tennis I can still play at age 40. And I've learned a lot over the last 12 months. So today, I'm going to give my top seven takeaways over the last 12 months or so. I'll try to spend hopefully about three minutes or so on, on each one to keep it moving. All of these are really important to me. And I hope that you'll learn something and maybe gain some perspective and, and learn something from my experiences here over the last 12 months. So, in order here, number one, uh, and this isn't exact. This isn't, by the way, I didn't order these in terms of like importance, but this is the order that these came to mind for me. Number one was the kind of the top thing, the most thing that was right in front of my face, and kind of kept slapping me in the face over and over again as I've gone through this journey. I started off just hitting with a ball machine, hitting with other local coaches. I signed up for lessons from a high-performance coach in the area who trains professional-level players. I've signed up for tournaments. I signed up for USTA League. And so I, I've really ramped everything up. I, I played a UTR singles tournament. I played USTA sectionals and got really close to going to nationals. So I've, I've really pushed myself hard over the last 12 months. And the number one lesson that I've learned is that the fitness and conditioning mountain was a much bigger climb than I thought going in. I, I'm kind of, if you've seen my, my videos, I'm, I'm just kind of naturally, I'm a very thin, you know, slim build. I, it would be almost impossible for me to look like I'm out of shape. If, if I stop working out, then I actually lose weight. I'm the opposite on that spectrum. So I, you know, over the years, I knew I wasn't in good shape. Like I, I knew I wasn't in, in plain form by any stretch of the, of the imagination. But I just kind of assumed that after a month or two of work, you know, it's not like I, I had 40 pounds of weight to lose or, or any anything like that or, or more, which a lot of people in going into their 40s, you know, that's the case. There's a lot of work, a lot to work off before you can even think about playing, you know, high-level tennis again. But for me, kind of naively going in, I was like, I, I didn't explicitly think this to myself, but I was thinking, man, a month or two, you know, I'll really work hard. I'll really push myself. Every practice session, I'm going to go 100%. That's just my, my personality anyway. And so I expected to feel really solid physically after about a month or two, I would say. And I was way off on that. It, I, I had fallen much, much further down the other side of the hill than than I thought, and I had I had many 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 months of work. I would say now about twelve months in, I'm getting to the point just in the last month or two 
where I feel really solid, like physical, like conditioning and stamina uh, is just, it's not, it's not a factor anymore. And that, that only was true relatively recently. And I also, I had to work through issues. I, I had back issues come up in my first couple months training. I had neck issues come up. I had foot issues come up. And it's because my, my body was just not used to that type of intensity anymore. Yeah, I was generally active. Uh, you know, I'm on my feet a lot. And I, you know, I, I don't do well just sitting doing nothing. So it's like I'm always doing something. But I didn't realize how far away from the intensity that I needed I was capable of doing. So that's lesson number one. It's, it's just been reiterated to me again and again and again over the months how far off I was. And I've done a huge amount of work to get to where I am now. And I'm really happy with where I am now, but I know I can get an even better shape uh, for sure than I am now. And I, I plan on doing that. So that's number one. Number two, perspective brings happiness. In, I, I'm not going to spend a lot, of, a long time on this. I've talked about it quite a, quite a bit in the podcast in the past. Towards the end of my college competition, which was basically the end of my my competitive, you know, career up until I picked it up again recently, I was really unhappy. I, I in fact, I was I was miserable on the court, and when I made the decision to go back to competitive tennis a year ago, a year ago. One of the biggest questions in my mind was, am I going to go back to that really unhappy, frustrated, angry at myself, angry at tennis place? Am I going to go back to that really dark place that I was in uh, almost 20 years ago at, at the end of college? And I'm really happy and just grateful. I feel really blessed to be able to say that my perspective of being a full-time coach over the last 10, 15, 20 years has really helped me a lot. I've helped, I've focused the last 20 years on helping other people and I've learned a lot along the way and I've done a lot of reflecting and I've done a lot of looking back at who I used to be as a tennis player and I was hopeful that what I've learned, I could transfer over and and use it. And I, it's not, you know, it's not like I'm perfect or anything. I'm, it's not like I'm the perfect competitor now. And it's not like I, I don't get frustrated or upset on the court. I, I still do. But I have a much more healthy perspective now of what the game is and what it means to me and its place in my life. And, and practically speaking, how to respond in the moment to challenges and frustrations. And so uh, I'm able to come up against very challenging, frustrating situations now mid-match and like immediately following matches or practice sessions and and still be happy. Not that there aren't things I'm frustrated about, but I can, I can hold it in perspective with everything else. I can view it much more as a, a third-party spectator and see it in perspective with everything else and learn from it instead of just getting bogged down in negative feelings and emotions, which is what used to happen to me. So number two for me is perspective brings happiness on the court. Even if you're a really intense competitive person like me, I just want you to hear loud and clear that it is possible 
to be very intense, very competitive, and have a huge passion for the game without it coloring everything black, <laughs> with, without everything becoming negative, and without ha- having perfectionistic, you know, uh, perfectionism like take away your happiness, which is what happened to me previously. So to be where I am now and to have really put myself on the line and still be happy through losses, uh, especially when I publish everything and I share it all publicly with my audience, and uh, I've still been able to maintain happiness and balance, and I'm really grateful for that. So that's number two. Perspective brings happiness. Number three, there's more (laughs) frequently, this goes a little bit hand in hand, there's more positives than I think. I'm so grateful that I've decided to record and publish everything over the last 12 months. And if you go to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash essential tennis, you'll see every match that I've played over the last 12 months. If you scroll down far enough, you'll see every training session that I've done. You'll you'll see every session with a high-performance coach, all the the times that I I almost threw up on the court. All the challenges, all the successes, you'll see all of it. And I'm really glad I've decided to do that because I've discovered that frequently my opponent was stronger than I thought in the moment. Frequently the challenge or the obstacle in my way was bigger than I realized in the moment. And this is a trap that I personally fall into. Maybe maybe you can relate. Uh, In the moment, I have a tendency to feel like I can just figure everything out and and figure out what the solution is and and come away the victor, you know, no matter what the the situation or the opponent is. And oftentimes when I when that doesn't happen in the past, I would become really dejected and and go to a really dark frustrated place. But because I've recorded everything and I get to watch it back, I've had a very distinct benefit of 12 months of perspective of having the experience and then watching myself have the experience later on and being able to to watch it and say, huh, is what I thought last week when I had that match or that training session, is that really fair? Like, am I really being fair to myself by being so frustrated that that I lost that match or or I missed that backhand or my my opponent you know, play better than me that day. Oftentimes in the moment, I color things incorrectly. <laughs> and that's true for all of us and, and all, you know, different parts of life. It's not just tennis. And I've learned so much about myself over the last 12 months by documenting and recording everything and then having the benefit of being able to watch it back myself a couple days later or a couple weeks later. It happened just earlier today. I watched the uh, match that I lo- that I lost in the UTR singles tournament that I played a month or two ago, and my opponent was was a really strong player. I mean, the reality is, I there were there were many things I was frustrated with myself about in that match, and and rightfully so. There's a lot of things I have to work on, and a, a lot of gaps that were in my game that day. <clears throat> but watching it back, I also had to be honest with myself that I mean he was just better. He just flat out was a better tennis player that day. And probably, you know, in general, he, he's a better tennis player than me. So the fact that I pl- actually played him, so I think it was, spoilers here, if you want to skip ahead 30 seconds or 60 seconds, 
the the fact that the score was uh, three six five seven when he was clearly a better tennis player. I actually f- finished watching that match today and was really pretty satisfied and pretty happy with it. Uh, in the moment, I, I had criticisms of myself, and and I don't blame myself for that. There were things I could have done a lot better. But there's so many more positives that I don't I, I would not have realized if I didn't record things. So I, I just want to encourage you, if you're listening to me, to record as much as possible of your experiences. Record your practice sessions. Record your matches, especially. Record your thoughts after practice sessions, after matches. Uh, you could do it audio. It doesn't have to be video. You could just record audio afterwards or, or write, uh, start a journal and, and write it down. Write a couple sentences after each practice session or after each match. And then, and then review the video. At, <coughs> excuse me, a day or a week later or several weeks later and compare what you felt in the moment to what you actually see in real life. And you learn so much about yourself and you'll improve much faster and you'll find it much easier to be happy on the court if you go through that, that exercise. So that's number three. There's more positives than I think. And thanks to video, I know what those are. Number four, I have to take outdoor really seriously. The most consistent thing I I struggled with over the last several months was finding my rhythm and my timing and my confidence outside. I I have, similar to the fitness where I, I was way further out of shape than I thought or I expected or I realized, I I have failed to realize how big of an impact being exclusively inside was having on my per, uh, perception, my timing, my rhythm. I've really only exclusively done indoor, with the exception of the couple trips that we do each year to Hawaii, to Costa Rica, to California. Those were really the only times I was going outside. Everything else year-round was inside because I was paying for my own private indoor court. So. Everything was inside all the time, all the videos, all the training, all the coaching, all my matches. It was all inside. And so this year when I played USTA, I played those tournaments, I played sectionals, it was all outside and my timing was terrible. My rhythm and my judgment of the ball, everything felt so off and it was a constant struggle. And... uh, People, people who watch the videos and hear me talking about it, I think are getting tired of hearing about it at this point. And it's motivating me tremendously. The end of uh, sectionals in, in particular, I really felt like I let down my partner and I let down my team. Uh, like I, I, There was much better quality tennis inside me than what I played. And I just, I just felt off by 5%. And against a really good doubles team, that's really big. That's really significant. And so as soon as things warm up next season, I'm going to be out there and taking it very seriously because I want to play my best when it really matters the most during those USTA matches, during the tournaments. I don't want to, I don't want to have that excuse of, oh, I'm not used to playing outside. And I realize now at the end of this season how far off the mark I've been. So it might be a, like a personal one. You know, if you live in Southern California or someplace where 
you don't even have indoor courts, then it's not even a factor. So I won't spend any more time on it. But that's number four. I have to take outdoor tennis really seriously next uh, year, next season. Number five, your weakness, in air quotes, isn't always your weakness. This has been a a really big eye-opener for me. I've always considered my backhand a, a huge gap in my game. Also, about a year ago, I started working on totally overhauling my my drive backhand. I've one-handed backhand. I've never been able to hit actual topspin. It's always been a huge gap, a huge hole in my game, and I've always been kind of ashamed of it and embarrassed by it. That you know, I just can't hit. Uh, you know, I consider myself to be a, a really good coach and a, a pretty good player. And to always have to rely on the slice on the backhand side, I always felt kind of embarrassed by that. So I, I started a personal project also about a year ago to develop a new, totally different backhand. And it's been a long, a long project. It's been um, really hard. It's been a lot of work. And I've made really, really big progress. It's, it's not where it needs to be yet, but I, it's getting very, very close. So as I've posted matches and over the last 12 months, a couple people out there who follow tennis videos like to do stats. They'll do errors and winners and from, you know, forehands, backhands, volleys, you know, serves and and chart all the stats and then post them in the comments on YouTube. And it turns out that my backhand wasn't nearly as big of a liability as I thought. In fact, my, my real liability was frequently my forehand, <laughs> the shot that I always kind of considered to be my big you know, weapon, the shot that I would rely on for offense. And so it turns out when you actually look at the numbers, when I, when I actually looked at the numbers, sure, I didn't hit any winners with my backhand during that match that I played six months ago. But I also hardly made any mistakes. And I, you know, I pretty reliably just put the ball back in play with my slice. Whereas my forehand, I would go for a lot more and make a lot more errors. And in a match where I was off by even a little bit, it could actually work against me dramatically. And I could have a lot more errors than winners on my forehand side. And so the the actual bottom line that the statistics showed was my backhand was actually you know, competitively relative in terms of like the actual numbers was really competitive. And my forehand was what actually let me down total 180. Again, there's no way that I would have come to terms with this without the benefit of recording my matches. And with also for me, without the benefit of posting them and having the, the, the viewership actually post stats. So anyway, my perception on this was way off. It was a huge lesson learned. And, and I'm still working on my my backhand. It's it's still just kind of a personal passion project that I, I really badly want to be able to hit a solid, you know, quality topspin one-handed backhand. And I'm, ge- I'm getting much, much closer to, to reaching that goal. But it was also a huge lesson for me to learn that it wasn't the big liability that I thought it was. In fact, it was the other shot, the opposite shot, that oftentimes, it wasn't always, sometimes I had more winners than, than errors, but not often. Uh, more times than not, my, my forehand side had many more errors than points that I, I won or I, I hit a winner on, on my forehand side. So your weakness isn't always your weakness. Really big lesson learned. That's number five. Number six, <clears throat> lesson that I've learned over the last 12 months is I still love 
the competition. There was something about sectionals in particular where we tra- we traveled together as a team, and we were all there fighting for a common goal, wanting to go to nationals. And when you're in that scenario and you want to play your best because you don't want to let the the team down, and again, spoiler coming up here, if you want to skip ahead 60 seconds or two or three minutes or so, if I would have won one of the two matches that I lost that weekend, the team would be going to nationals. Actually, no, it was one of them. One of them in particular. Uh, One of the two matches that I lost, had I won that match, the whole team would go to nationals. (laughs) And I I didn't know that until the end of the weekend. I, I didn't know that in the middle. It was the first match that I played that weekend. And in hindsight, at the end of the weekend, it became clear that had I won that match, then the team would have won. And had the team won that match, then the, the team would have been undefeated. We would have gone to, to nationals. So uh, you could view that as a negative. And if you're not a very competitive person, you, you, know, you might be saying to yourself, well, why would you ever put yourself in that position? But even while I was in the middle of it, I was... I absolutely loved it. And I I realize now putting myself back in that type of situation, I crave that type of pressure and that type of responsibility and wanting to test myself under that kind of, of scenario and situation. I love being put in that position and, and also knowing I recorded all my matches. I knew I was going to post them on the internet in front of tens of thousands of people. So, I'm very grateful to have jumped back into this competitive arena and feel those feelings and experience those competitive experiences again. It feels so good to be back in that position and be feeling those things after a decade or more of not feeling those those feelings on the courts and off the court, you know, immediately after a great win or immediately after a really frustrating loss, like... I I love that about tennis. It's such a big part of it for me. And it, it's experiencing that again has inspired me even more to keep going. Uh, it inspires me to keep getting on the stationary bike and doing, you know, jump rope, push-ups, pull-ups and and keeping myself in shape because I want to keep putting myself back in that position. I, now that I've experienced it again after a long period away from it, I realize I still really love it and enjoy it. And that's lesson number six that I've taken away uh, after the last 12 months. And I'm really happy to report that. And if you're listening to me, I, I hope you find that for you, it might not be those big pressure situations. It might be just going to a, a casual, fun, social drill group. And and that's the biggest thing you get out of it is the connection and the camaraderie and the exercise and the fun with, with fellow players. It's different for everybody. But for me, that that can, being in that big competitive situation scenario, that really, that really drives me. It really lights a fire uh, inside of me. And so I'm really happy to have experienced that again. I'm looking forward to a lot more of that. All right, and lesson number seven. <clears throat> that I take away from the last 12 months is, and I'm really, I feel very blessed. I feel really fortunate to be able to say these words. I, I truthfully, I honestly feel that I can still play my best tennis. I feel like my, my best quality tennis is still in front of me and not behind me. And as a a 40 year old, you know, so many, 
uh, not, not judging anybody, but uh, it's so it's it's a cliche thing, right? That like you're the the high school what track star, like you maybe you went and you played college uh, athletics, and then after that, it's just all like in the rearview mirror, right? And, and you're always like talking about the glory days as you you know sit on the porch or you know watch football on tv and drink beer and gain weight and it's like well you know those were the the good old days and and i i feel very uh blessed that i feel very strongly that my best play is still in front of me and and it's not behind me uh i feel really strongly about that after doing th- these 12 months of work putting in the effort to to get back into good quality shape uh, feeling like I could I can play a three hour singles match, and and then play another one later in the day. Like I I'm capable of that now, uh, like I was back in college. Uh, the quality of my play it's it's hard to say if it's already the same as it was in college. I I think I've had individual days or sessions where where it has been. On average, I don't I don't think I'm playing better than I was in college. But with another year, two, three, five years of being consistent and hopefully having the motivation to stick with it, I think age 42, 43, 44, I, I think I could be playing my highest quality best tennis. And that's my personal takeaway. If you're listening and you're 50 or 60 or 70, I want to I send you a message loud and clear. It's possible that you still could play your best tennis too for some of you listening that's that's not it's not true and it's not actually realistic it's not actually the case if you played very high you know elite levels of play in your 20s and then you took 30 or 40 years off and now you're you know just picking it up again 40 years later that's probably not in the cards for you but that doesn't mean you still can't come away with so many positive uh, experiences and inspiring, ins- inspiring uh, things that you get to ex- experience, whether it's competitive or training or the camaraderie, you know, playing and training with with fellow players. And uh, there's so many these seven takeaways. I none of these things would be front of mind for me. I wouldn't have experienced them without jumping back into competition after more than a decade. Those seven things again. The fitness mountain was much bigger than I thought. Number two, perspective brings happiness. I'm so happy I can compete now and find some balance. Number three, there's more positives than than I think. I'm taking away many, many more positive things than I, I would have in the past. Number four, I have to take outdoors, outdoor play really seriously. And I have so much improvement to make there. There's so much upside there. Number five, my weakness, or your weakness as well, isn't always your weakness. I've learned so much about myself there thanks to the, the recordings I've done and what I've learned from my audience. Number six, I still love competition. I'm so happy that I've been able to experience these feelings over the, again after, over the last 12 months that, that I, I experienced a little bit here and there, you know, whatever, playing video games or like, cornhole you know by the lake during summer vacation or whatever like yeah there's still competitive things but totally different level of expectation and and pressure doing the the tournaments and the events that i've done over the last 12 months and i'm so happy about that 
And then number seven, I still it's possible for me to still play my best tennis. That's a huge takeaway. I'm I'm really motivated and inspired by that thought that that it's possible. So those are my top seven competitive tennis lessons that that I've learned over the last twelve months. My my hope in sharing this is that it gives you a couple things to think about. Uh, maybe maybe think about a couple of maybe this has caused you to think about a couple of things a little bit differently than you normally do. But more than that, I'm I'm hoping that my story and my experience lights a fire under you and gives you some motivation and some inspiration to maybe maybe do a little bit more. Or if you've been on the sidelines for a little while, jump back into it again. Uh, there's there's so much to be learned. There's so many amazing experiences to be had, and I'm so grateful for the sport of tennis for being able to experience those things. And I'm grateful for having this platform, this this show, to be able to share those things with those of you listening. So I hope this has been worthwhile to listen to. I hope it's given you a little bit of a nudge or a push in a positive direction. Thanks so much for listening. And shoot me an email. If you have any ideas or any, any questions you'd like me to cover on a future episode of the podcast, as I hopefully settle back into a little bit of uh, consistency with the show again, shoot me an email and just just let me know you're listening. I, I, it would really mean a lot to me. And if you have any personal questions or obstacles or roadblocks that you'd like me to discuss and, and give you some, some insight or input, then let me know. My email address is ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.